so my home inspection company is something that I'm building slowly over time. I, I see it as something that I can do, you know, while being a mother, while being a wife, which is God willing in my future. So if I need to transition out of the corporate space, but still, you know, provide for myself and my family, I think home inspections is a great way to do that and also still stay relevant to real estate. Welcome to the Aid to Assets podcast, the ultimate podcast for aspiring real estate investors. I'm your host, Tiffany Watson. Join me as we discuss real estate investing for nine to fivers. We'll talk about everything from money mindsets and property ownership and different strategies you can use to invest in real estate. I want to empower investors, especially those of us who are working full-time, who want to navigate the world of real estate, uncover the secrets to building wealth, generate passive income to achieve financial freedom. Equip yourself with resources from experts, practical tips, and step-by-step guides on how to kickstart your real estate journey. We'll also hear from nine to fivers who started to build their own portfolios, what they did and how they did it, so you can do it too. Tune in and transform your main job into your biggest silent investor in your real estate investment business. This is your aid to assets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Aid to Assets podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Watson, and here we get to meet nine to fivers who have jumped into the world of real estate investing and the professionals that help them do it. And so today I am so excited because we're going to double dip on both sides. We have an amazing investor that is going to share her story. And she's now also fully dabbed into that real estate space as a professional, helping us to get to the closing table. So Ashley, how you doing? I'm good. It's a great Saturday. How are you? I am fantastic. Fantastic. So good to have you here. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell the people about who you are, what you do and where you're at. Okay, sure. So my name is Ashley Hamilton. Of course, I am based out of Los Angeles, California. For my day job, I'm an attorney. So I do work in nine to five, except that my hours are like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., which turns out to be important. Um, <laughs> and then I do um, home inspections in the afternoons after I get off work and also invest in real estate. So that's me. Love it. Well, so excited to have you on the show. So y'all go ahead and hit that like, subscribe button, hit that bell so you never miss an episode. And you always get to hear these fabulous stories about the investors that I get to talk to. So Ashley, before we even jump into the nitty gritty, one of the things that I like to do is tell people early why they should listen and what you do. So tell them about your portfolio, how that, how, how what's the numbers looking like? So we know what we're talking about here. Okay, sure. So I have a condo that I bought in 2017 in Gardena, which is in California. That's my primary residence. And then I have a property that I inherited, which is another important piece of the story. So that's in LA. That's a single family home, four bedrooms. And so for those two properties in the LA area, I rent out room by room. So in my condo, I rent out a room to a long-term tenant. And then in my four-bedroom, I rent out two of the rooms to two long-term tenants. And then one of the rooms is like short midterm. And then I have one room open as like just a man cave type thing. And then in North Carolina, I have two properties. So a townhouse, that's with a long-term market tenant. 
And in Hope Mills, I have an Airbnb. That's a three-bed, two-bath, single-family home. And then in Chicago, I have a two-flat. So that's two Section 8 tenants. Um, love Section 8. <laughs> and that was a burr, my first burr. And then in Houston, actually, I just closed September 11th on a new construction. So this is my first time getting a new construction. And that also will be like a room-to-room type situation. Um, so yeah, that's where I am now. I, I started actually investing. Like my first investment purchase was in 2022, actually. So it's a little bit aggressive in terms of speed. So yes. <laughs> that's, just, that's the vibe that I'm on. <laughs> Come through. Okay, so hold on. Let me make sure because I was trying to keep count. So we got two in California, two in North Carolina. One in Chicago. Wait, two in Chicago. It's a two flat. So it's like a duplex, but top and bottom. Got it. We go count it. It's two doors. Okay. So two in California, two in North Carolina, two in Chicago, and then one in Houston. Yes. That's right. Ma'am. And I, first of all, we're going to start from the very beginning. All my California people that y'all tell me it's too expensive to invest in California. Once again, <laughs> no excuses. No excuses. Put it in the chat. No excuses. So seven total doors. And then, so you're, first of all, seven total doors, period. Multi-state investor. And so I just want to shout Ashley out. That's how I met her, where she, we were in this group together and she was like, I'm a multi-state investor. I said, oh, I need to talk to her. I need to know. How are we managing? What are the systems? So y'all don't worry. We're going to get all the good tea. But then you also run an inspection business in addition to your full-time job. Do I have that right? That's right. Mm -hmm. I just want us to know we have the same 24 hours as Beyonce. And it all depends on how you maximize your hours. Okay. That is how you work. Okay. So 2017 is when you bought your first property, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell us about that. Let's see how this journey got started. Okay. So in 2017, I was in law school and I worked part-time. So I think I was making maybe 1300 a month. And I was living in a two-bed, two-bath. I was renting and my rent was like 2095 So this is in LA. And they announced that the Ram Stadium was going to be built. And so all the landlords, you know, so if you're not on rent control, they were just like, hey, <laughs> the price is about to go up. And so we got a notice saying your rent, your rent will go from 2095 to 2495 or something like that by the end of Ooh. the year. And I was like, having a hard time, you know, <laughs> doing the calculations. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I was telling my dad, like, I just don't understand. I think I was only there for a year or two. And I'm just like, how? So my dad was like, 2495 you can literally afford a mortgage. Like, if you can afford to stay in that apartment, you can afford a mortgage. And I was like, nah, I can't afford a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not a whole real adult yet. Like, I'm not. And my dad was like, my, he was like, my mortgage is nowhere near, you know, that much. And most mortgages are not that much. So mm-hmm. you should start looking, you know. And I was like, well, what about down payment? He was like, just, you know, don't worry about all that. Just <laughs> start looking. I might be able mm-hmm. to help. You might have the money, you know, just start looking because that's ridiculous. 
And so it turns out I actually got an internship my summer in law school, my 2L summer. And it was at a big law firm. And I think that summer I made like $36,000, like after taxes. And so, you know, for me, that's a lot. I think it was like a 10-week internship that I made that much money. And so my dad was like, look, the Lord will provide. (laughs) Won't he do it? (laughs) Won't he do it? And so I started looking for places and it was a very emotional process because I was in school, but also, you know, I had this fear in my mind of like, oh my gosh, rent is crazy. You know, what if I make it to the end of the year and I can't do it? What if I don't find anything? These prices are high here in LA, or at least what I thought at the time, what I thought for my income at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up getting a condo and I didn't like it. I'll just, I just want to say that I, I wasn't in love with it. It needed a lot of work. It was like carpet everywhere, not modern at all, old windows, just pet fur all up in the carpet. It was just, Mm. it was kind of nasty. And the building wasn't great, but it was $360,000. And so with the three and a half percent down, plus closing costs, you know, I had the money for it given what I made over the summer. And my dad was like, you know, I'll co-sign for you as far as the income for the monthly payments, because clearly you can make those payments if you're already making, you know, more than that. And my mortgage was going to be like 2042 or something like that. Um, So I bought the condo. I didn't have any money left. I didn't have furniture for months. So I didn't have appliances. I didn't have a refrigerator, but I had a stove and a microwave because that came with the condo. But I didn't have a refrigerator. I didn't have a washer dryer. I had a mattress. I didn't have a bed, no couch, nothing. Um, (laughs) So I was just, you know, in my condo with internet (laughs) and my mattress. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And my dad was just like, just don't worry about none of that. All that stuff can come later. You're in law school. You're going to become a lawyer. It's going to be fine. You know, it might be a little uncomfortable. Tell me what you need, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh, this is so dumb. But it turns out (laughs) it was not dumb. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made because that's what gave me leverage to continue to buy real estate. And I didn't have that foresight, but I thank God that my dad did. My parents were super supportive, um, very interested in real estate. So, Shout out to dad. That's amazing. So there's so much that I want to unpack because first off, from the jump, you said this was not like your dream house. In fact, it needed a lot of work. And so for many people, that would have turned them off for even wanting to purchase it. What was it that made you say, actually, I'm still going to stick with this one? Honestly, I I don't think I had the wisdom to be like, oh, let me do this long-term gratification play. Like, I didn't have that wisdom. I was really Mm -hmm. leaning on my parents to just be like, no, trust me. I know more than you. I own a house. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and so... I was just like, oh, if y'all say so, like, it's not making sense. I don't see the vision, but I was really leaning on their wisdom. And I mean, my parents aren't, they didn't go to college or anything like that, but they both own houses. And that says something, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, okay, I'm going to just listen to you. I'm going to take this risk. It's not that big of a risk because I have somewhere to live. 
Mm-hmm. But I was just not, I was not happy about it because it, it wasn't what I liked. It wasn't what I wanted. My apartment was very nice. You know, it was, it was luxury vibes. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked the mm-hmm. neighborhood. Yep. I was in, I was in Ladera Heights in LA. And then I moved to Gardena, which if you're familiar with LA, vastly different communities. Yep. So <laughs> I was just like, this is not it. So yeah, unfortunately I didn't have that foresight. So I can't even say like that I knew that in the future, this was going to be the right decision. Mm-hmm. I love your vulnerability and your honesty with it, because it's like, sometimes it's like, I am taking this step. I don't even know why I'm doing it, but I sought out wise counsel. This is what I was go. I'm trusting and believing that this is going to work out. And so that's amazing. So well, a quote that I really like, even though some of his philosophies, I'm like a little bit, but Dave Ramsey says, sometimes you have to live like no one else now. So later on, you can live like no one else. Talk to Mm -hmm. us about that process. You're in the house. You're a homeowner. Mm -hmm. We got no furniture. And you, how was that for you? How long did that last? And what was that like for you? Yeah, so I closed in November of 2017. And it wasn't until, I would say like March, I think, of the following year that I started being able to buy things. So... Mm -hmm. I was a full-time law student and I worked part-time on campus as an academic counselor. And then I was also a part-time nanny, like under the table. So I was basically saving my money so that I could buy basic things, you know, a bed frame, mm-hmm. a refrigerator. But before then, honestly, I ate a lot at my mom's house. Like she would make batches of food for me. I would pick it up, you know or come to her house to eat, I would eat at, on campus because in law school, they have a lot of free food. Mm. I would eat, my favorite food is tacos. So I would just buy like a pack of tortillas. I'm not a real big meat eater. So a can of beans, tortillas, look, that's bean tacos. Good to go. Um, <laughs> and I Good didn't go. have like, you know, like I didn't have a ton of money anyway. So it was just like, and I didn't have a ton of time. So I didn't have a lot of time mm-hmm. to, to just mope. I had a lot mm-hmm. of work to do, a lot of studying. So for me, it was really just a place to sleep. I mostly studied at school and, you know, went to eat, came home, went to sleep, you know, and just repeat. It wasn't it wasn't that deep. And I just didn't think too hard about it. The drive was kind of a lot because I was driving from UCLA to Gardena to go to okay. school. Yeah, so that was kind of a lot. But Honestly, I just started saving my money and then buying things one at a time, which is painfully slow, (laughs) but (laughs) it's okay because I I financed some things. So like I need a new window. So I financed those. I didn't pay for them Mm -hmm. up front. I financed some appliances. So like my washer dryer, Um, part of it was a gift from my stepdad. Some of it I just paid over time. Um, I mean, you just like got to make it work. That's like really what Absolutely. I did. Absolutely. Tried to make it work. Um, and then I started working in 2018, you know, in the fall. So I made more money than I ever have. And that's when I really started, you know, changing up the space and buying things. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things is like, we have to be really honest about our lives, ourselves, our situation. And so for many of us, especially when we're in that grind mode, how much time are we really spending at the house? So like you yeah. mentioned, you were in law school. So you, I'm imagining you were at the library a lot. You had two part-time jobs. So then you were there. Mm-hmm. Shout out to mom for the home-cooked meals. 
we know mm-hmm. when we are on the go, we we have in this head, oh, I'm going to buy this house and then have these, you know, dinner parties and have friends. Like, Girl, you're not at the house anyway. So what are we talking right. about? And so <laughs> recognizing where we are in our life and what we really are able to either sacrifice or put on hold for the long-term gain is so, so important. And it sounds like a really meaningful part of your journey. Definitely. And it, uh, people were asking me, hey, you know, congratulations, let me come see your house. I was like, no, not yet. <laughs> Give me some time. But truly, I just didn't have any furniture. So. Right. And you know, they just was coming to be nosy <laughs> anyway. They just wanted to see. And so... <laughs> Right. And it wasn't nothing to see. So, yeah. So, just okay. gratification. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now, you mentioned that you thought you bought your first investment property in 2022. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, 2017, November 2017, we got the condo. Then mm-hmm. March 2018 is when we really started, like, starting to furnish. Got mm-hmm. the full-time, first big girl law job in the fall. Mm-hmm. And so what made you decide, I want to do this again? Yeah, so in 2020, you know, the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of extra time on my hands because I couldn't go anywhere. So I started listening to podcasts. There was this one podcast that two people recommended me to like two separate episodes of the same podcast. And I was like, that's weird. And I wasn't really into podcasts at the time or audiobooks, but people were recommending me podcasts, audiobooks. I mean, I guess people had nothing else to do. So I was right. like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I was like, all right, I ain't doing nothing. Let me just see what this is about. And so I was listening to this podcast called Speaker to Success. And I was like, this is interesting. I like, I like what these guys are saying. And then there was one guy on there named Jamal King, and he called himself the nine to five millionaire. And I Yo, was like, shout hmm. out to Jamal. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, I like that. So I was like, okay, who's this Jamal King guy? You know, what's he doing? And so then he started talking about, you know, his real estate journey and how he became a millionaire through real estate while being a police officer. And so for me, like, I'm working at a big law firm at the time. I wouldn't say I had work-life balance at all mm-hmm. and I was just like how though you know like how like where when make it make so, sense <laughs> yeah I was just like I don't understand so I was just listening to this podcast thinking about it and kind of following him and his story and then he came out with a course and I was like oh but the course was like a thousand dollars and at the time I was still very much in a scarcity mindset so this is beginning middle 2020 and I'm just like oh ah I'm I'm trading time for money, but I'm not thinking about it that way. And I'm I'm kind of like poking into the idea of investing and doing something more, but still kind of stuck in my scarcity ways. And so I was like, all right, I'm not gonna pay this thousand dollars. That's crazy. That's a lot. Um, maybe I can find the information somewhere else. Time passed. I ain't finding nowhere else. It was like a year <laughs> that passed. I ain't find it. Uh-huh. And I'm still I'm still listening to the podcast, and I'm just like, you know what? I need to make the investment. I just can't because <laughs> like it's mm-hmm, been a year. Mm-hmm. I've been listening. People have been at this point giving testimonials about the course and now there's a community. I was like, all right, I got to get up in here. So I finally enrolled in the course in 2021. I think it was like May or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's the course is called Make Real Estate Real. 
So the way that I googled this course material was ridiculous. Like I think I finished the course in like three weeks. I was like, Wow, this is. <laughs> I was like, I can this. I love this. This is crazy. It, it makes sense to me. Um, he taught about you know different types of investing, wholesaling, fix and flip. Um, you know, long term rentals, birds. I was just like, all right, okay, I got it. I made a plan at the end of the three weeks. I was like, all right, I gotta open my LLC. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Blah, blah, blah. And like within a month, I had a Illinois LLC, a series LLC. I had a, a real estate agent in, in in Chicago. I was like, I gotta do this. This is going to happen mm-hmm. because I was saving money. I was working at this big law firm, making all this money and just saving it for something. I don't know what, yeah. um, but I was like, mm-hmm. I need to save money for something for emergencies. I don't know, emergency fund, whatever. And I was like, well, I can be using this for real estate. So that's what kind of got my mind going. Like, wait a minute. I, I can actually do more with what I have. And then it clicked for me. Like when I learned about HELOC, I was like, wait a minute. I have a house. And then I was like, can you do a HELOC on a condo? <laughs> you know, like, I'm just mm-hmm. like, treating a mm-hmm. condo like it's not a real house. I'm like, can you do a HELOC <laughs> on a condo? <laughs> um, so that's when I found out that you could. And then I was like, okay, this is going to be something else. So at the same time, I was doing the trying to buy a property in Chicago through the LLC. I also started the HELOC process. I was like, okay, I need to get this home equity line of credit so I can pull out this equity so I can buy another house. And so my mm-hmm. mind was just, it was aggressive, but that's kind of how it all started. I Wow. That's so good because a couple of things. One, I don't want you to, to talk about this a little bit more, but you mentioned the scar- scarcity mindset. And so it's it, I find it to be twofold. One, we are taught to save. Like just you need to save your money. You need to have a rainy day fund or emergency fund or whatever you want to call it. But we're not told what to do with that money. Essentially, we're just waiting for something bad to happen to have to have it to spend on. And then also when we have these opportunities, like to invest in a course, it's like, mm, I don't know. I... <laughs> so how, how did you come over, get over that hump of like, you know what? I need to shift my mindset. This is going, this could be a game changer for me. Yeah, that's a good point. I think for me, it was with these kind of, I guess you can call them like soft mentors. So people that I had never met, but I was consuming their content. So the podcast, the audio books, the number of books I listened to in 2020 was ridiculous. And then I was also reading books, like physical books, and then listening Mm -hmm. to podcasts. Like it was information overload. But I think these people were transforming my mindset and making me Mm -hmm. consider a different way of thinking. And, And my logic was, okay, these people have things that I don't have, but that I want. They are in places in life where I'm not. Maybe they have something to say. That's valid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I was like, all mm-hmm. right, the worst case scenario here is I drop $1,000 and I don't learn anything. But $1,000 will come back to me. It's money. I have a job. You know, I'm not spending my last dime on a course. And I'm like, it's education mm-hmm. as well. So it's an investment in self. I didn't question, well, actually I did. I was going to say I didn't question investing money into going to law school, but I actually did. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's an investment in myself. It's kind of how I thought about it. I was like, all right, 
Worst case scenario is I get nothing out of it and I lost a thousand dollars. Best case scenario is I actually learn something and then I apply it and I make way more than a thousand dollars. And so I think it was like, I wasn't fully into the abundance mindset at that time, but I was mm-hmm. dabbling, you know, I was sticking a toe in. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, these people that are saying some things, let me make a small investment, a thousand dollars. That's, that's not going to break me. You know what I'm saying? Like right, right. I will be, I will be hurt if I lost it, but I got to make a change because this, that law firm life was, it wasn't sustainable. And I was like, well, what are my other options? And this feels like an option. So I need to explore it. Absolutely. Okay. Now for those who aren't familiar, can you explain a little bit more about a HELOC, what it is and how you can use it? Yeah. So a HELOC is a home equity line of credit. And it's basically a line of credit that you're given that is secured by your house. So you can think of it as almost like a credit card, but better. So the way that it works for me is when I apply for my HELOC, it's it's like applying for a mortgage and you do the same paperwork. They, their appraisal process is a little different. They can do what's called like a desktop appraisal. So that means that they don't actually physically come out to your house. They kind of just look at the properties in the area, the market value and things like that to determine what they think is the value of your home. And then lenders are usually willing to give you a certain percent of what the value of your home is. So I think the my condo at the time was appraised at five hundred thousand, um, and I bought it for three sixty. So the bank is like, okay, you have some equity. Let's we're willing to give you a line of credit. Um, so they gave me a line of credit for three hundred sixty thousand, which meant that I would leave or walk away with twenty thousand to play with because my loan to be paid off already had you know. 20,000 less than when I started. So PNC Bank had this special HELOC cash out refinance product that they were experimenting with. And I was part of that experiment and it was great. <laughs> so I did the HELOC. <laughs> I did the HELOC. They basically paid off my loan and then gave me the difference in cash. And then I had this HELOC on my house. So this line of credit and how a HELOC works is as you pay, on the line of credit, that much becomes available for you to take back out. So over time, you're making these payments and you'll see the balance going down and your available credit going up. Unlike Mm -hmm. a traditional loan where you're paying down the balance, but you can't just retake out the money. And so that's why HELOC is genius because you're just borrowing from what you already have. You know, you're not, you don't have to apply for new credit. As you pay into your your home, you can take more money out and do whatever you want with it. It's mm-hmm. actually fascinating and I love it and I'm going to do it more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So thank you so much for explaining that. And so first of all, let's talk about how your condo went up in value $200,000 from the time you purchased it to when you were thinking about considering this HELOC. So what you said, this was 2020 when you were looking at this? I got the HELOC in 2021, I believe. Okay. So from 2017 to 2021, your condo went up $200,000. I don't want people to miss that. All she had to do was live there, y'all. You got to live wherever you live in anyway. So all she had to do was live there. Her condo went up $200,000, but then she was able to pull out this credit where it's reusable. 
you can use it over and over and over again. Once you pay it down, you just have more funds available to you. That is then the money that you can use to purchase another property. So for, and I tell people a lot, the hardest thing is buying that first property, getting so in the game. And then once you're in, it gets so much easier. You're familiar with the process, but you mm. also have benefits like this that will help you to make it a lot easier. Yeah, it's so true. But, you know, that first property is so emotional for a lot of people that they either give up or they're so stuck on things that don't matter. Interest rates. Like, if the numbers work for your budget, like, why are you worried about the interest rate? Like, what? Oh, listen. I, what, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> so, you're because, paying 100 And we only... Interest. And we only think about that in a house because we're still going to go buy these cars. We're still going to use these credit cards. And the interest rate on our credit card is two and three times what a house is. But yet we're okay with that. And that credit card can't make us any money. <laughs> we can get some points, maybe, if we do it right. But right. It makes no sense. I don't understand. But I think it's, I think it's actually a very emotional, emotionally driven process because I remember when I was looking for my first house, like I was getting outbid left and right. I was just like, mm -hmm. I'm tired. You know, first mm -hmm. of all, I don't even like none of these houses. And they got the nerve to outbid me. Like, what? <laughs> I was just so confused. Like, how much do you want me to pay for this stack? Like, I was just, it was very emotional. And so I understand, you know, it's, it's tough choosing to be uncomfortable and live somewhere you actually don't really want to live, you know? It's easier to go for that luxury apartment um, than to just think about buying a house. And there's so many programs these days. Like if I knew about NACA in 2017, <laughs> girl. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we're, so you were working at the law firm in Chicago. Is that why you were looking in Chicago for the, for the house? No, I was working at the law firm in LA. I was looking in Chicago because that's where Jamal King's team was and he was like hey I have oh, people you okay. can use you can use my people you can use my my real estate brokers agents you can use my accountant and so I kind of felt like it was set up for me you know I was like mm -hmm. look it's a plug and play type of situation like you you're yep, laying it yep. all out for me and just making you're giving me a head start so I, it only makes sense for me to just jump into the Chicago market Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And that's a really good point because a lot of times too, people question. And I love what you said when you mentioned before, when you thought about getting the program, you were like, I can just do that myself. And we have all fallen into that. Oh, I, I can find this information. YouTube university is free. Why do I have to pay this? But then we realize that yes, we can do all of the work, but why haven't we done it already? If it was just that simple. And so by paying for these courses or these programs, it's packaged together for us, making it a lot more convenient. The same reason why we go out to eat. We can always cook at home, but we mm -hmm. go out to eat at a restaurant because it is packaged convenient for us. All we got to do is show up. And yeah. so then when you have programs where they also are allowing you to work with their vetted network, their lenders, their agents, some of them have like property managers, like they will really walk you through the full gamut of the process. That also helps because we know how important it is to not just have one person. You need an entire team to invest in real estate. And so these programs are really, really helpful in that regard. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I think it's a little harder today because there's so many people claiming 
to be gurus and they have programs and they have courses and they just have everything. And there's so much information coming out about grifters and scammers. And Mm -hmm. it's difficult to know, you know, which course, which course is legit, which person is legit, who do I choose? And I think today you have to do a bit more vetting, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. a little bit more Mm -hmm. research to see. But I think just the mindset of even being willing to make an investment in yourself to get the information is a starting point. Absolutely. That's huge. That's huge. Now, you mentioned your properties in Chicago were Section 8 tenants. And so let's um, dig into that a little bit, because oftentimes people have misconceptions about Section 8 and they get a bad rap. So you mentioned that was some of your favorite. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So my two Section 8 tenants are actually two Black women. They both have kids. They seem to be single Black women. I don't manage the property myself. For that one, I hired a property management company. But I I don't see them as any different, honestly, just and not have limited Section 8 experience. But so far, they're not that much different than a market tenant. I think one of my tenants is a bit needy. I think it's her first apartment, which is why I hired a property management company. Like she needed more than I was willing to give. Um, mm-hmm. Just texting me all the time about life. Like I can't. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was. It was definitely her first apartment, so she needed a bit more. But I like Section Eight because one, the rent is pretty consistent. So the way that it works is the tenant has a voucher for a certain amount, and they have to have their portion that they pay, and then the government has the portion that they pay. So the government's portion is auto deposited on the first of every month. It's just without fail. The property management company I use, they accept payments from the tenant via Zelle, and then they Zelle me for as soon as they get the payment. It's pretty seamless. I think that Section 8 tenants seem to complain less. Uh, that's just been my experience. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's, I don't know why that is, but they just seem to complain less. The only complaint I've received or not complaint, but I have a tenant who she was saying that she doesn't feel totally safe on the first floor because she thought someone was trying to tamper with the door. And so she asked if I could build like a gate basically around her front door. And I was like, yeah, like ain't, you're not about to be hurt or, you know, burglarized on my watch and I didn't do nothing. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, right. It's not, it not going to be me. And so I, I love Section 8. The process, though, of getting Section 8 tenants is horrendous. <laughs> I will say that. It is horrendous. They drag you through the mud. Whew. But I would say it's worth it. They give you an extra, like if you're a first-time Section 8 landlord, at least in Chicago, they give you an extra payment. So when my tenants moved in, I got an extra month for both of them, maybe to compensate for all the craziness I had to deal with and <laughs> getting them in there. But... So far, I like it a lot. We might have to do an update to see, you know, how I still feel about it. But I think I like the consistency of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you're dealing with the government, so it's slow. It's a slow, painful process for sure. But I tell people, especially because with Section 8, especially being here in Fayetteville, so many people don't recognize that Section 8 literally just means fixed income. And so we have a lot of retirees. There's a, a big older population. And that is also considered fixed income 
or Section 8 tenants. They all qualify. Mm -hmm. And so people have a lot of mistaken beliefs about what it means to have a Section 8 tenant. All it means is that you're going to get your money on the first, guaranteed. So during the pandemic, there were lots of landlords who they still were able to get their rent on time because they had a portfolio of Section 8 tenants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what put me on to Section 8, hearing so many landlords be like, look, my tenants are paying rent. And I was like, (laughs) who are your tenants? (laughs) So definitely consistent, which I like. You know, any tenant will mess up your property. Like, let's be real. Mm -hmm. We've all rented and we've all not left the apartment in tip-top condition. So, like, anyone can mess up your property, not just Section 8 tenants. And you build, you build, you keep that reserve for expenses. You know what your expenses are. And so you just make sure that you manage for that. You're running a business at the end of the day. And so that should not be the deterrent that somebody might mess up an apartment, maybe, that I'm just never, Mm -hmm. ever going to invest in real estate. That blows my mind when I hear people say that. (laughs) Okay, so let's shift now. So, So now we have the condo in Gardenia. We have the duplet or the flat, two flat in Chicago. Then we hopped over to my neck of the woods here in North Carolina. Tell me how we got here. Yeah, so I was in Greece for my friend's birthday, her annual birthday trip. She takes like a birthday trip out the country every year. And we were all just talking and I was telling them, you know, this course I took and how excited I was and all these things I was going to do in real estate. And my friend was like, wait a minute, put me on. I'm trying to do what you're trying to do. And so (laughs) when we were talking about it, she's a pharmacist and she was like, you know, have you ever thought about renting to traveling nurses? And I was like, I don't even know what a traveling nurse is. And so (laughs) she explained (laughs) it to me and she did her residency in Fayetteville. And so she Mm -hmm. was like, you know, when I was, when I was in my residency, there were a lot of traveling nurses and they were renting out rooms in people's houses. And I was like, really? She was like, yeah, like it was so common. And they were paying like over a thousand dollars per room. And I was like, really? Tell me more about this. <laughs> she was like, yep. I don't even, I don't even think those houses are that expensive. She was like, we should go in together on a house and rent out the rooms to traveling nurses. And I was like, look, I'm down when we get back to the States, like, let's make it happen. And so that was in September, 2021. Fast forward to January, 2022. Me and this friend, we both happen to be aggressive in terms of like growing money, right? So when we had that second conversation after getting back, it was like, all right, you do this, you do this, I'll do this, and we'll hit the ground running. And literally within like a week, we were pre-approved, had a realtor, like everything. And so because she had never bought a property before, she we ended up splitting. So we used the same realtor, but She's going to buy her own. I was going to buy my own, both in Fayetteville. And we were going to kind of do the same thing. I kind of got cold feet. I was like, you're not even helping me. Like, you're you're abandoning me. And I don't even know this area. I've never been to North Carolina. She was like, no, no. Like, we're still going to do it together. We're just going to do it separate together. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. So we ended up closing, like, days apart from each other. So I bought the two-bedroom. Yeah, I bought the two bedroom townhome and she bought she bought a single family home and they're like a few miles from each other. So she ended up doing the multiple rooms. And I just when I got when I say I got cold feet, I just got a long term tenant. I was like, I can't believe you abandoned me. (laughs) I just got a long term tenant. I was like, you know what? 
I'm just going to do this, keep it safe, and maybe I'll see how yours goes. And, mm-hmm. you know, since I don't know the area, and then I'll just buy another one. And so she did hers on Airbnb and Furnish Finder. And it was going well. And I was like, okay, I like this. This is nice. And But I also like, I like long-term tenants too. And so that was actually my first time renting out an entire investment property. So at this time, I hadn't bought in Chicago yet. I was, I had to switch realtors and that was a whole other story, but I was still looking in Chicago, but my actual first purchase as an investment was in Fayetteville. And that was at okay. townhome. Mm-hmm. And so she, I did the townhome. She did the traveling nursing and the Airbnb thing. And then a few months later, I think in like June, my realtor in Fayetteville was like, hey, I'm about to list this property. Um, but I wanted to see if you wanted to buy it first before I list it, because I know you originally wanted to do like the Airbnb thing. Um, and this would be a great property for that. And I was like, I was like, you know, let me see. And at the time I was like, I'm supposed to be saving for Chicago. Like I'm not supposed to be spending extra money, but I was like, let's, let's see what the numbers look like. So mm-hmm. she was like, I'm going to list it for one forty nine nine, And it was a, it's a three bed, two bath newly renovated in Hope Mills. And at this point, I still had never been to North Carolina. And so I'm just like relying oh, wait, on her. So you still have this property, this first property, and you've never been there. Yeah, I had never been oh, there. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. Keep so, going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then I told the, my realtor, I was like, okay, I like this. I like this house. And she was like, well, just to let you know, though, it would be dual agency because like I was supposed to list it for my client, but I'm basically selling it to you and I was Mm -hmm. like I'm down with dual agency you know I'm a lawyer I understand like I know how to protect myself it's fine and Uh so we ended up doing that one and that was my first whole house Airbnb so when I say my first so let me go back to when I got my condo I rented out a room on Airbnb that was my first actually that was my second Airbnb because I also rented out a room on Airbnb in my apartment and so that was like my way of helping me pay for the mortgage, the rent, whatever I was doing. That's just kind of a thing that I do. I rent out on Airbnb or I rent out um, to a tenant. And so, but this was my first, like this whole house will be Airbnb. Um, so that's how I got into Fayetteville. I had never been to Fayetteville. I didn't know nothing about it. I was just taking a tip from a friend who, you know, did her residency there. And she was like, hey, we should go to Fayetteville. I was like, all right. You've been there. That's good enough for me. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Tiffany here. Are you looking to purchase or sell real estate? As you know, I'm your aid to assets, and I want to help you with all of your real estate endeavors. Whether you're local here like me in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, I can then help you purchase or sell your next property. If you're looking to purchase or sell outside of North Carolina, let me know too. I can still help you. I have a team of agents all over the country that I can connect you with to partner on your next deal. Let's get to the closing table, y'all. We buy our way to wealth, whether that's buying right or selling better. Can't wait to hear from you. Click on the link in the bio if you want more information on how to personally work with me or an agent on my team. Talk to you soon. I love it. And Y'all, for those listening, Fable is a great market for traveling nurses. And so we got several VA hospitals here for our soldiers and our retirees. 
So call me. I can help you out. Uh, I could be that realtor that can let you know about new home listings. But talk to me now because I want people to hear you are in L.A., but you now have two properties in North Carolina considering getting ready to buy another one in Chicago. What is giving you the peace of mind while you're all the way on the West Coast, but your properties are on the East Coast? How did you navigate and manage that? So back to the podcast, one thing I learned is the power of relationships. So have you ever taken the DISC assessment? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they talk about the DISC assessment a lot. And they they kept talking about like, you know, high I, high C, all these things. And I That's learned- me. Which one are you? <laughs> I'm a high I, and then my second is C. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm a high C. My I is not that high, but in the adaptive, it's very high. And so okay. I had someone give me like an analysis of my whole this thing. And they were like, you can tap into this adaptive high eye when you need to, to get what mm. you need to get. And I was like, tell me more about this. <laughs> so <laughs> basically she was like, you can, you are, it's not natural to you, but you can leverage relationships to like, as a, as a means to an end and to, to further your interests. And so mm-hmm. what what I took from that was, okay, I don't feel comfortable investing out of state. Like, let's just be real. I've never been there. It kind of seems a little bit crazy, actually, to just buy a property that you've never seen from a person you've never met. It's just, it's kind of crazy for that mm-hmm. amount of money. But I was like, okay, there's something here about the power of relationships. So I was like, if I build strong relationships with the person or the people that I'm dealing with, I can garner trust, a sort of goodwill. And so just kind of learning how people work. And so my thing was, all right, I found Rhonda. Actually, we we interviewed Realtors. That was my job when we first started together, me and Christine. My job was to find Realtors on Realtor.com, pick out the ones I like, interview them, and then decide which one we're going to go with. I chose Rhonda. So I was like, all right. There's another thing about like knowing your personality and your, I guess your strengths is like, I go off of vibes. So I'm talking to Rhonda and I'm like, you know, I like her vibe. Like, I just like her energy. And so I feel like this is someone that I should try to build a relationship with. And so that was, that's what I said to her. I was like, look, Rhonda, I'm trying to do something long-term. Like, I'm not just looking for a real estate agent. Like, I'm looking for like someone that I can build with and grow with. And I'm not saying that we're going to invest together, but I'm saying I'm going to need you for more than just real estate because I've never been there. And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we we have to work on our relationship. <laughs> Basically, yeah, absolutely. Like, we got mm-hmm. to talk on the phone. Like, you know, we got to FaceTime. We got to do this. And she was like, okay, I totally understand. That's new. Like I've never, you know, worked that way with a client, but I'm with it. Let's do it. And so as we started to get to know each other, I learned about Rhonda and, you know, her family. She learned about me. We started to build trust. And and I know it's kind of crazy. It's almost like, what if you were being catfished? But I was just like, all right, I need to lean into something. I'm going to let yeah. God back me here and just do the best mm-hmm. that I can to, you know, be responsible and vet. But at some point, you guys just let go. So I was like, I've done my diligence. I'm building a relationship with this person. So far, she has not crossed me. She has not done anything. To harm me so let me just lean into this and just go for it and that's what it's been like and that's what I do in every market so I find my person it starts with a real estate agent really 
and I mm-hmm. try to build a relationship with them. And then when you are building a relationship with someone, it's reciprocal. You're giving things, you're receiving things, you know, they're giving things and then it, it can expand outside of real estate. And I think that's what helps me to feel comfortable investing in places that I've never been. I, I love that. That's huge because here we talk a lot about building your real estate team. Who do you need in order to be successful? And so I love that you were very candid with Rhonda about, listen, this is my goal. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. And if she wasn't with that, it wouldn't have been no hard feelings, but just you knew that she wasn't going to be the person for you. And there are different types of clients for each different type of realtor. And so knowing what you needed out of a realtor was so crucial. So that way you could be successful in this journey. Yeah. And I think, and it wasn't like it came out of my brain, honestly, it was all the content I was consuming. It was books and podcasts, like literally framing my mind um, Mm -hmm. to think and operate a certain way. And so now I'm just so appreciative of like, you know, podcasts like yours and like, I'm still, you know, really into books and certain podcasts because I feel like I'm just getting that inspiration and knowledge and wisdom from people. So. Amazing. Now let's talk about managing the Airbnb because I have managed the Airbnb long distance too. It is no easy task at times. And so talk to us about what that process is like for you, especially because you have more than one guest technically if you're renting it by the room in some places. Yeah. So in, in Hope Mills, I rent the entire space. In LA, I rent one room. So managing from managing the Hope Mills one from here, Rhonda is my co-host now. So because we built that relationship, right? So when I, when she pitched this property to me, I said, okay, Rhonda, but like, how like, are you going to help me like what's the plan like because I don't <laughs> I don't have nobody I don't know nobody she was like mm-hmm. I don't know you know like I just I do real estate I'm not like a property manager I was like what what is it what are your reservations you know like what do you need what can I help you with what can I support you with like you need me to drop mm-hmm. the contract for your business like what do you even set it up for you what do you like what can I do to help and she was like you would do that and I was like do you understand what you're going to be doing for me? Like, <laughs> like yes, that is that. so good. That is yeah, so good. So, so Rhonda is my co-host and she helped me. So I hired a designer to like, you know, furnish the space and everything. But Rhonda is like my boots on the ground. I respond to all the guests and everything, but because of the different time zones, if she sees that I'm taking too long to respond, she'll respond on my behalf. She'll either say, Hey, you know, Ashley's in a different time zone. When she wakes up and sees this message, she'll respond to you as soon as she can. Or if it's something that she can address, she'll just go address it. Um, if the if there's an emergency, which that's definitely happened, Rhonda's available to help guests. I have a self-check-in process, but Rhonda helped me find a cleaner. But because that cleaner wasn't great, she decided to just become the cleaner herself. But that's, Rhonda again, better work. Like, Shout out to I Rhonda. <laughs> And I feel like that's because of like, you know, us building our relationship. And so like she, she's my cleaner. I pay her for cleanings. I pay her as a co-host. So like, it's definitely mutually beneficial. And I just, I mean, I trust her. She trusts me. We know we have our best interests in mind. And I I did finally get to meet her um, earlier this year. So that was really nice. And I finally got to see the properties. But yeah, I manage it like virtually but as far as like restocking supplies and everything Rhonda tells me ahead of time when something is running out so she'll she'll go and when she's cleaning she'll make a list and text it to me she'll be like hey 
send all these things from Amazon, but she'll be like, send it to my house because a guest is checking in tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Or for the laundry, even though I have a washer dryer in my house, she wants to dry faster because she likes to wash literally everything after every single guest. And if she tried to do it all in just the washer dryer in my house, it wouldn't work. So we got a laundry card for a nearby laundromat and I can put money on it remotely. And then she'll just take the stuff to the laundromat and then she'll start the cleaning and then finish up that way. And then I bought extra sets of sheets and things so that if she's in in a time crunch, she can just wash the stuff later and just change out the sheets and blankets while she's there. So like we definitely have a really great partnership. And I think that's honestly the biggest piece of managing a short-term rental from afar, like having someone you can rely on and someone you can trust. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is so good because a lot of time, one thing I want to tap on at what you said was it was scary to, to put your trust into this person that you had never met. And I think a lot of times that fear of the unknown or the fear of the what if can really hold us back from taking the advantage of opportunities. And we got to realize like nothing is guaranteed, but if you're going to mm-hmm. jump in, you got to jump in and trust in your ability to figure things out. And also be able to decide, okay, if this isn't working, I can either pivot or we can discontinue, but not doing anything is a choice in itself. Right. I agree with that. And I like what you said about trusting in your ability to figure things out. Like I tell my friends, like you are intelligent, you know, you made it this far. You can figure things, you can solve problems. You know, if something comes up, I am fully confident that you can figure it out. And if you can't, if you're a person of faith, God can figure it out for you. Like just, you are covered. You know what I mean? Like, just don't worry about it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now when you got, so now we have a townhouse, a single, excuse me, we have a condo, a townhouse, Mm -hmm. a single family house. Those two that you got here in Fable, is that what you use the HELOC for? So I used the HELOC for the first purchase in Fayetteville. So I walked away from my HELOC with like 20,000. And my total out of pocket for Fayetteville was like eighteen thousand something. So that's down payment and closing costs. Um, okay. Which is not bad at all. Y'all and better quit sleeping monthly, on Fayetteville, y'all. These deals are here. It's crazy. <laughs> um, it's actually crazy. So my my monthly mortgage is like six hundred thirty dollars. Um my HOA fee is one thirty. And then my rent that I charge is twelve hundred. So and that's for Fayetteville. And that's a market tenant. I didn't I didn't know about section eight tenants at that time. That was kinda that was kinda happening while I was in that process. And then I knew about it when I did Chicago, which was later that year. Okay. Now you said your mortgage was how much? Six hundred thirty dollars. That's principal taxes and insurance. Okay. So mortgage is six thirty, HOA is another one thirty. So all mm-hmm. in seven sixty mm-hmm. for like the the essential bills, and then of course you have like your cap reserves and all of that. But you're charging twelve hundred dollars, which is market rent, and the bulk of your bills is seven sixty. I just want people to make sure that they hear what's happening and what's possible. And she was eighteen thousand in. It was mm-hmm. eighteen thousand dollars to get in on this deal, and she got twenty of it from her HELOC, so she still had two G's just to play with. <laughs> yeah. And I used, I actually used that 2000 because when I bought the townhouse, Rhonda was like, I kind of feel like you should update these vanities 
you know, just to increase the their market rent. And so mm-hmm. I used the 2000 to get like new vanities, which she installed herself. Uh, <laughs> Crazy. Rhonda, we but gotta yeah. meet. I'm putting this out as soon as this episode drops. Rhonda, I'm in the city. What's up? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> she the goat. But yeah, so that's. I it's definitely feasible, and I think for me the long term play, because once I figured out that HELOC thing, I was like, I need to get more properties that I can get a HELOC on. So, I was like, all right, I'm a HELOC this one. I'm a HELOC that one. So like, I don't want all of my properties in an LLC because then I can't get a HELOC. And so that's mm-hmm. why I kind of alternate between LLC and my personal name. Okay. Okay. So that was the first one. So then did you alternate and did you get that one? How did the second one, the single family, the Airbnb, how did you get that one? That one's in my personal name as well. Well, technically they're, they're all owned by my trust, but I I bought them in my personal name. So I bought the the Hope Mills one as an investment property in my personal name. So that one, I think I put like 15% down and it costs okay. 150. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I can already tell you people are going to have questions about the trust. They've been hearing about these trusts. So we're going to need mm-hmm. Ashley Esquire to come back and talk to us about <laughs> how the trust and how that can help people and all that. But I don't want to take us down that rabbit hole uh, already. <laughs> I can hear them now like, wait a minute, what does she mean about that trust? What does that do? So we're going to have to get you back to talk about that. So tell us now, you mentioned several times that there were lots of books and podcasts. So for the investor that is just wanting to get started, what are some of those books that were really significant and impacted you to help you navigate through this journey? Hmm, That's a good question. Oh, there's so many books. I would, so first off, I would say, listen to podcasts that you like and when they recommend a book read it i would start there um that's a great way to to get going of course there's the classics like you know think and grow rich and there's a book that i really like called tax-free wealth mm-hmm. it's really good it's really practical it, it really explains why you're living wrong why you're because we are taught so wrong we are taught so wrong yes so tax-free wealth is excellent I think can't hurt me is really what propelled me to take that leap so the beginning of the pandemic my boyfriend and I decided to read can't hurt me by David Goggins together Mm -hmm. and that book oh my goodness like the things that he went through I was just like if he survived all of this mm. nonsense, I can do anything. Like, it's just, it doesn't matter. I can, I can bounce Period. back from anything. And I was just like, <laughs> I felt invincible. I was just like, yo, this is wild. And not even just like on a physical level, because his book really talks about the physicality of mm. resilience, but he really goes into the mental piece of resilience and just, I mean, even beyond resilience, just like resurgence, you know, coming out better than. Mm you know, being being made better by the challenge or the struggle. And I just think that just really set the tone for me for the whole pandemic. Cause I was like, this thing can't hurt me. Like I'm about to use this to just blow up and just expand and maximize my time. And so I don't know like how the cards align and why I even read that book, how I heard about it, but that's what started for me. Can't hurt me. And then it was just a spiral of just books and podcasts. Awesome. Okay, y'all. So those books are going to be in the description box. So y'all make sure that y'all pick those. 
So one question, though, I definitely have to make sure that I ask because I get a lot, especially as people are learning more about house hacking and renting out rooms, especially as a woman. How comfortable was, how was that process for you deciding that you were going to rent out not just rooms for other properties, but even your particular property that you lived in? Yeah, that was the main thing that my dad brought up. Um, He was just like, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable with this. You're a woman, blah, 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 blah. I was like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I was like, okay, valid points are made. So I started looking into, you know, what I could do because you can't, there's anti-discrimination laws. I'll just say that. So I started looking into on Airbnb, what are my rights? You know, what can I do on this platform to protect myself? And it turns out there's a rule that if you share a living space with your guests and you are a woman or an elderly person, or there's a bunch of other categories, if you qualify as one of those people, you can discriminate, you know, towards who you rent to. And so I was like, oh, so I started putting on my listings, women only, one one woman (laughs) can stay here. One woman or two women, not a couple, you know, not none of the extra stuff. And I've had people reach out to me like, well, we're two gay guys, you know, like, what about that? And I was just like, no, sorry, mm-hmm. women, only women. And so I think only renting to women definitely made me feel a bit safer. But the other piece that, you know, my dad brought up was it's not just the fact that you're a woman, it's that you're inviting someone into your home, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. your space. And I was like, you know, I get that. But I think for me, from like a logic perspective, the person coming into my space is probably more worried than I am. They don't know what's in my space, what I got in my space. If I'm crazy, they don't know. They're walking into my house. Like mm-hmm. they're probably terrified, you know, like I could be, I could be a serial killer you're you're renting a room in my house you know what I mean like so I told my dad like look I understand what you're saying but I think like logically both parties have some discomfort you know renting a room in someone's space and I think that is what will deter craziness the fact that they don't know what I got what I got going on and if there was a situation when I started to like expand and allow couples and stuff I would just have my boyfriend stay over during those days or I just wouldn't be here um because look I had to get the bag and so I was denying a lot of couples who wanted to come and it's mostly couples it's not usually a single person and so I was just like all right I'm not really trying to lose out on this money so what can I do and so I would either stay at his house or he would stay here so I felt safer but I've never had an issue like that with someone renting a room I think more common is strange people trying to rent your house. I think that's more mm-hmm. common. Um, I've, I've only had really friendly people. I've had people that maybe I didn't like their hygiene, you know, or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe, you know, like maybe I thought that they didn't know how to keep the kitchen clean, you know, things like that. But I, I haven't had any safety issues. Thank God. So yeah, there's definitely ways to protect yourself. But if you're just uncomfortable and you just can't wrap your head around it, maybe it's just not for you. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's so good because I want people to understand there's so many ways that we can get creative if we double down and say, this is what we really want to do. If we don't really want to do it, we'll always find a reason as to why it's not going to (laughs) work. 
So real quick before we we wrap up, though, I have to just touch on you then went and started your own home inspection business. How did this come about? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so random. So it's it's fairly new. So last year, I went to a conference called Phenomenal Life. And that was a conference put on by Eric Thomas and Associates from the Secret to Success podcast. I was like, you know, I got to get deeper into this. You know, let me see what they okay. talk about. What kind of what kind of vacations mm-hmm. they going on? So I went to Phenomenal Life and it, it was Wait, is this phenomenal. the one that was in Mexico? Yes. Oh, I'm jealous. I wanted to go, but had a different event that I had to. It's all oh, Ash. I'm jealous. It was I'm actually jealous. life-changing. It was it definitely changed my life. I went last year and then I went this year. This year was the last one, but last year when I went, it just changed everything. So I was just in the pool, me and my friend, Christine, the one that that did the residency in Fayetteville, we're just in the pool, Mm -hmm. a phenomenal life, chatting to people. And we met this couple and they were like, yeah, you know, we got our wealth from home inspection. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like how? And so he was like telling us his story of how like, you know, he used to be, you know, on the street doing other stuff, but he realized he can make more money doing home inspection and also not be breaking the law. And so he started explaining the whole process and he was like, yeah, like, what state are you in? Like California? And I was like, yeah, like we're in California. He was in Arizona. He was like, oh yeah, I can help you like get through the whole process. I'll train you. I'll mentor you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, look, don't threaten me with a good time. If you are offering if you're offering to train and mentor me on a way to make me more money and you're not charging to think that I'm not going to take advantage. See, cause he didn't know me, you know what I'm saying? Like he didn't know I was going to follow up. Right. So. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was like, yeah, you know, I'll train you. Yeah. Me and my wife, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. All you got to do is fly out to Arizona, blah, blah. I was like, okay. Took their number, you know, started texting them in our like group chat. And as soon as we got back from phenomenal life, I said, can we set, can we set up a call? I'm trying to figure this out. And so he walked me through the whole process. Like you need to get this certification. You need to do this, blah, 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 blah. I was like, all right, bet. So because what appealed to me about home inspections was one, it would help me be a better investor because I was finding that when I was receiving home inspection reports, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And so I'm You're relying so on the, they're long. I, I'm just like, what does it mean? You know, like, what are these parts? What should I be worried about? What should I not be worried about? And so mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, that, that appealed to me. I was like, all right, this is going to make me a better investor. And then the way he was describing the way that the business operates, I was like, this could be my freedom ticket, like out of the corporate world. So you can do a home inspection at any time and you don't have to do it if you don't want to. You can do two a day, three a day, none in a day. You know what I'm saying? Like you can make your own schedule. You can set your own rates. And I was just like, I kind of like this. And it's related to what I'm already doing. And so when he told me the process and everything, I jumped on it aggressively, which is how I approach things that I want to do. And when I finished my certification, I sent him a screenshot, him and his wife. And they were like, oh, my God. (laughs) And I was like, so when can I come to Arizona (laughs) for my training? Absolutely. Yes. How long was the certification process for you? So in California, there's actually no board exam. So you can just do a certification, any certification you want. I I think you should do an accredited one, but it's self-paced. So you can either go in person 
and get certified in like a week if you're just there full time. Um, or you can do online like self-study. It's 14 courses. So however fast you can finish the 14 courses is how fast you can get certified. For me, it took about nine months because um, I worked according to the 12 week year. So like I would work on it in one 12 week year, not work on it in the next one, work on it in the next one. So it took me about nine months to finish and to pass the courses. So the, the institution that gives you the certification, they have a final exam. So that's what you're basically working towards. And so I finished that exam okay. and then I was like, all right, let's go. Let's get this going. Wow. All from a conversation at the pool. I know. All from a conversation at a pool, at a conference that was kind of expensive, but definitely worth it. And I was just like, yo, this is crazy. And then it's not just, you know, so many things come from that, right? So this person who trained me on inspections, um, he's done more than that, right? So I, I started a lending company lending to real estate investors and, you know, contractors and things. And he's actually a general contractor as well. So like, he's one of my wow. lending clients. Like it's just become so fruitful all mm -hmm. from a conversation at the pool and the follow-up, you know what I'm saying? So I, I just think it's amazing what can happen if you just trust and invest in yourself and just take the leap, even though it doesn't feel comfortable and it doesn't feel right. Just, mm -hmm going in just jump to it oh my gosh so y'all when we say get in the room this is what we mean it's not about the instagram pictures i understand it may make you uncomfortable to spend the money listen we all are uncomfortable still spending the money like but it is about the people the network that you are building just one of my mentors he talks about the law of exposure once you've been exposed you can't be unexposed like you can't yeah. unsee that and now you see what's possible for you and then mm -hmm. Ashley hit hit it on the head. It's all about the follow-up because you can see it and then you have one of two options. You can do nothing with it. And then it's just going to be in the back of your mind. You know that there's more out there. You know that more can be done, yeah. but you chose not to do it. Or you can get put that foot in front of you and you can get ahead by taking on those next steps. So that mm -hmm. is absolutely amazing. Ashley, thank you so much for sharing your mm -hmm. story and experiences. I know there is so much more that you can share with us. Like, I'm serious. We definitely got to get you back <laughs> to talk about the trust and everything. But mm -hmm. I just want to say on behalf of the listeners, thank you for sharing your knowledge about being a multi-state investor and just how this process works. This has been amazing. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. This has been fun. I'm so glad. Okay. So last thing we do is here, we all, we believe in speaking intentions. We believe that we declare. And so I want to know for you a year, three years from now, what's going to be true about you and your business Ooh, or businesses? Say, Cause you girl, you out here. So. <laughs> I'll say, so I think by, so by 2025, I'd like to own 15 properties, not necessarily doors, but 15 properties. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have a ways to go, but I have a plan. What will be true about my business. So my home inspection company is something that I'm building slowly over time. I, I see it as something that I can do, you know, while being a mother, while being a wife, which is God willing in my future. So if I need to transition out of the corporate space, but still, you know, provide for myself and my family, I think home inspections is a great way to do that and also still stay relevant to real estate. 
And so I hope that in a year, um, my business is much more developed at that time. You know, I'm hoping that I can bring on an inspector. I have my brother who has been inspired to get started. He started his certification process. So hopefully I can bring him into the business, make it a family business. Um, I'd say that's for a year. For three years, you know, I'd like to get my other brother into it. <laughs> I'd like we getting a whole family. A family Come on. Yes. yes. So we could just, you know, have this family home inspection company and support each other, expand our real estate portfolios. And I hope to just be able to help and inspire more people. I see so many people just, frankly, just sitting and watching on the sidelines, wishing and hoping. And just, I think, I hope that I can do or say something that encourages someone to at least seek information. Like there's so much, there's so many programs out there to help you get started. There's so many ways to invest in real estate without even owning real estate. So I just hope that someone is inspired to just reach out and and inquire and just take a step forward. Like not even thinking about the whole staircase, just take one step and then take one more step. And then one more thing, <laughs> just keep going. That's it. That's just keep going. Oh, I yeah. love that. I can't wait to see how the whole family gets involved. That is going to be amazing. Tell the people how they can get in touch with you if they have questions, if they want to follow up and, and want you to be one of the people, how can they reach you? So they can reach me by email. So info at gshowinspections.com. And gshow is spelled J-I-S-S-H-O. You can also reach me on Instagram. So G Show Inspection is my handle, or you can reach me at moguls underscore in the making on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, y'all, this has been another incredible episode of the Aid to Assets podcast. I hope that you took some nuggets away. You got some homework, you got some next step. We got book recommendations in the description. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button, tap in with Ashley. But listen, we're going to see you at the closing table. Until next time, bye. Yes, bye. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of Aid to Assets. Remember, your journey from nine to fiver to successful real estate investor is within reach. Keep learning, keep growing, and keep investing in your future. If you'd like to know more, connect with me on Instagram at Aid to Assets. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Until next time, happy investing.